have a word of prayer as we transition in our service. Father in heaven, we thank you for being with us here. Continue to help us to have ears to hear and hearts that care so we can respond to you in faith. And we pray it in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Well, according to CNN and many other news outlets, millions and millions of dollars every year goes unclaimed. Where people have worked hard in their life, earned money, and as they have passed away and died, they left a will, an inheritance, and they intend for their family members and sometimes friends to be the beneficiary of all of their hard work. But through various reasons and complications of life, the people that were intended to benefit from their inheritance never get that money. And if you add that up from all of the different 50 states, there's actually billions of dollars. Because every year, even in this great state of Texas, millions of dollars go unclaimed. Or it could be benefiting people to pay off their house, their car, their credit cards. They could get a vacation. They could fix up their house. But nobody's getting the benefit. Well, according to the Bible, back in the Apostle Paul's day, they had a problem that was much, much worse. According to the book of Romans, some of their church members were not getting their spiritual benefits. If you want to read with me in the Bible, Romans chapter 6, your smartphone or tablet, Romans chapter 6, verse 1, Paul writes, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin so that grace may increase? <laughs> you see, some of the Roman believers that were attending church, they had a very unusual idea, at least to some people sounds unusual. They thought the more that they sinned, the more that God would forgive them. So say if the average person sins, you know, 20 times a day, well, then God will forgive them 20 times. And they thought, well, because God forgives every time, how about if we increase the number instead of sinning 20 times a day, how about we bump up that number to say 120 times a day? Because the more I sin, God forgives me. And so if I just increase the number, that's going to make God look very generous, very kind, and very big. And what, what believer does not want God to look big and generous and kind? Amen? So that was at least some of their idea for evangelism. Now, some of us might think, or even most of us, or even all of us might think, well, how could they think that? I mean, that, no, who would think that? To me, this is our modern-day American church version. Same principle, different words. See if you know anybody who's who said these things. I've heard all of these things and more. 
uh, whether you call it doing something wrong, having a bad habit, making a mistake. The Bible calls it sin. You can have your own little word for it. <laughs> when somebody does something wrong, the person will say, well, God understands. And then they do the exact same thing again. And someone will do the same sin, and then they'll say, well, but God is love. And then they'll do the exact same thing. And then they'll say, isn't it nice God forgives us? Amen. And then they do the exact same thing. And then they'll say, well, don't judge me. Don't, don't, don't judge me. And then they'll go do the exact same thing. Or they'll say, I can't help it. And they'll do the exact same thing. And no, I'm not picking on one specific habit, but one thing that people say that applies to lots of habits is people these days even say, well, I was born this way, implying that's God's great idea. For example, I had a neighbor, I won't say his name, I had a neighbor, um, he had a real, uh, what's the modern popular word, desire. He had a real strong desire to... um, be loving because God is love. He wasn't a church person, but he had this really strong desire to, to be very loving to any female he was around, if you know what I'm saying. So maybe he could say he was born that way and that's okay too. Um, it, it's convenient for people to pick and choose these things, but um, people keep sinning the same thing over and over and then they say, I was born this way and I can't help it. And Another one that people say is, well, isn't it nice that God understands? Except, as Paul writes here in Romans 6, 1 and 2, Paul writes, what should we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that the grace of God may increase? Verse 2, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Imagine if your spouse, and I've used this illustration before, (coughs) but it fits here so well. Imagine if you were married and you had like the typical American family, 2.3 kids and a pet and a white picket fence. And imagine your spouse, and I know I'm not just picking on one of the spouses because today uh, both men and women like to just do their own thing. And so uh, you can pick the spouse. It's the same result in many places these days. And so say one of the spouses had this great idea like my neighbor that there was just, they were too loving. I mean, how can you bottle up love? (laughs) And so they always had this desire that every weekend they would, this spouse would stay at the neighbor's house and and the spouse would go on a honeymoon with the neighbor. And uh, those who are adults, you, you know what happens with the honeymoon. You know, you go to a nice country and you sit on the beach and, you know. So anyway, every weekend this spouse would go to the neighbor's house and they would have a honeymoon. But every Monday, they'd come back, you know, and it's just like, God is good. I mean, God bless America. It's good he understands. I can't help it. I was born this way. Don't judge me. God is love. I'm loving. Um, Isn't it nice God forgives? And if that spouse did that every weekend for 10 years in a row, and they said the same type of churchy American things that churchy Americans say, Every one of those things I've heard church people say in our denomination. 
How do you think the spouse would feel Monday morning for breakfast? Oh, I'd like some eggs and uh, maybe some of that. Well, I mean, I'm Adventist, so it's some not real bacon. God, for, so give me some of that fake bacon that's just really processed and some, some eggs and, uh, you know, and a little yogurt and boy, um, get out your Bible, honey. Why you, read it, read the text for this morning. And, uh, boy, that, that verse was talking about forgiveness, man. Isn't it nice? We worship a God that forgives. How do you think the spouse would feel? How do you think the kids would feel? How do you think the atheist neighbor would feel when the atheist neighbor, there are some of them, some of them are faithful to their spouse. How do you think they'd feel when you want to go hand out a brochure? Hey, Daniel Revelation this weekend, you should come to our church so you can learn to be like me. I'm so loving, I I step out on my spouse. Maybe you can grow too. Come to my church. And then some, not all, by God's grace, then some, oh, no, don't judge me, and God's forgiving. I would think the spouse, the parents of that spouse, the children when they get to the age where they actually realize what's happening, the other people actually know reality and aren't buried in their phone or confused by politics or social media, but actually paying attention to reality. I'd imagine those people would realize, you know, even an atheist logically could think, you know, hon, I, I, I don't think Bob's problem is actually forgiveness. And they'd be correct. Because God, that's, that's part of the challenge that Paul's wrestling with. It's only a part truth. God does forgive. It's just crazy how much he's willing to forgive. But that's not the problem for humanity is God's lack of forgiveness. Bob's not slipping over to the neighbor's house. Maria's not slipping over to the neighbor's house because God's not forgiving enough. That's not actually the problem. God wants people to benefit from his death, which is why as we go through this uh, series on the sanctuary, as I've shared before, step one is the gate introduce ourselves to God. Step two is the courtyard, and in there the lamb dies because it's an example that when Christ died, we died, which is why it's so important to know what the Bible teaches about the state of the dead. Because when something dies, it stops. So if Jesus died, sin is supposed to stop if he's actually doing something in your life. If you're not overcoming sin, it might be an indication that you might need to go find Jesus because maybe he's somewhere else. Because Jesus kills things that are inappropriate. I'll give you an example. <coughs> Church member of mine, Tracy, real name, uh, Northwestern uh, Arkansas. She went to our church. Um, she went to some of the small group Bible studies. Her brother lives in this general D- Dallas-Fort Worth area. <coughs> and uh, <coughs> she was growing and, and God was, you know, good at what God does when we let God do what he does. And she was also going to the community college in that area. And uh, one of her classmates was Jessica, also a real person. A um, couple of young adults, young single ladies. And uh, 
Tracy kept letting Jesus grow her, which is just the most fantastic thing. Not always easy to explain, but it's just like, you were this, now you're that. And everybody's this and that is a little different. We all, we all get into different ditches. And, but it, it just, it's unexplainable how God can transition someone from this to that. And it's just not always easy to explain. Um, and even when you explain it, it's like, oh, I want more details. It's just Jesus. That's not good enough. And, and we, Tracy was going through that where she, you know, God was growing her out of this and into that. And, and, you know, I don't need to say what that was for her sake, but it was, you know, she's a human. And so God was growing her. It's a fantastic thing. Well, her, uh, the person, uh, Jessica, uh, that she was going to college with, at least, you know, several classes they were going together, couldn't help notice, because all humans, atheists, agnostic, Buddhist, whoever you are, all humans have a brain. Um, and, um, you know, most of us, our ears work and our eyes work, you know, unless you, you know, you're born with some challenges in the area. And Jessica, all that worked. Though Jessica was an atheist, Jessica was an atheist, and they were in class together, and Jessica just couldn't help but notice, because, you know, her mind and everything was working well, and Jessica couldn't help but notice that, you know, a, a variety of things that Tracy used to participate in, I guess we could say. And as Jessica, week after week, month after month, just kept noticing you used to do that. Now you won't do this anymore. Why? And month after month went by. And, and, and tr- to Tracy's credit, she just kept saying, well, it's Jesus. And she said, I'm just trying to get better at um, letting Jesus in my life and, and, and get out of the way and let Jesus do whatever he wants to do in my life. Oh, I'm atheist. Don't tell me about that. And the next week again, well, what, well what, now what's this? Well, it's Jesus. I don't want to hear about Jesus. And then, and then it was another month, and it was six weeks, and it was eight weeks, and it was 12. And it was just again and again and again. Well, now you, this was, it was genuine growth, not some churchy, religious, awkward, hey, I'm going to, you know, only drink distilled water or something. It was genuine character growth. And so as she was growing and growing, and I don't remember exactly, four or five months later, after just, just seeing this week after week, um, and she just kept saying Jesus, uh, and, and she'd always say, well, if you're interested, you know, I'm not much of a teacher, but she said, I, I introduce you to our pastor, and, you know, he can, you know, share some of these things, but it's, if you want, that's fine. If not, that's fine, too. And uh, it took about four or five months, if I remember correctly, and finally Jessica, you know, reached the point of like, I've got to just figure out what this is about, because this is, you just don't see this all the time. Even though we pretend it's Christian America, we all have at least enough in, you know, sense to realize it's not happening that much in America because it's not really a Christian America. But Jessica, atheist as she was, knew something. I mean, who does this? I mean, where are you going? Who are you going? Who's your counselor? I mean, how in the world is this? I mean, how can anybody go do this to this? Just like that. I mean, it, I, it, this is unusual. And she just kept saying, well, it's Jesus. Jesus is real. He can do amazing stuff if we let him. And anyway, so she reached her, her point and she said, fine, I'll, I'll meet your pastor <coughs> and, and, and maybe we'll have a study. So I still remember we, we met for lunch at Cracker Barrel um, it was on the, in Springdale, Arkansas. One major road was Highway 420 and the other one was an interstate. It's the only interstate there. Is that 540, Danielle, I think? Interstate 540. Anyway, if you look on the map, it's right there. And, and, and we were just there less than a year ago. That restaurant's still there, Cracker Barrel. And... Uh, um, it's not a restaurant I particularly enjoy, but I 
we, we all got to take our lumps for Jesus. So we went there, we met there for lunch. And so I'm sitting here at this table, a little table of four, and across from me was Jessica, the atheist, and then next to her was my church member and her friend, Tracy. And so, you know, some small talk, and we ordered and, and kind of went through that. And I said, well, you know, Tracy, Tracy tells me that, uh, you know, you've been quite curious about, you know, some of the, the growth in, in Tracy's life, and so that's, you know, normal. And... Uh, <laughs> and, and I said, uh, you know, uh, it's happening because of Jesus. But I said, you know, I said, she makes it sound like you might perhaps, you know, be interested in, in, in taking a look at this Jesus fellow. Because uh, I said, that's the only thing that, at least in my understanding, um, makes it happen. Um, and so, you know, if you're interested, that's all we would do is, uh, you know, literally open up a Bible and uh, just look at stuff to do with Jesus. Uh, and she said, well, I'm not really comfortable with the Bible. And, and I said, I understand that. That's okay. You're an atheist. I, that, that makes perfect sense. Uh, I said, that's why we thought it would be appropriate to have this little talk so you don't feel pressured. Or I said, you can not have the study or, or study together. Or, but I said, as far as just if, you, if you're not comfortable with the Bible, you don't think it's holy or special. I said, that's perfectly fine. It's, they cut down trees. They add glue. It's just, it's just paper. Um, I said, you know, it, it points me to Jesus and it means, you know, it's special to me. But I said, you, you're an educated, she got straight A's. And I said, you're an educated woman. You're going to college, putting yourself through. And I said, uh, you go to class and you read books and you believe their history and you read books and you believe their science and you read books. And I said, just treat it like another book. I said, God's not going to be offended. Um, and uh, I said, we'll just look at stuff about Jesus if you like something about Jesus, fine. If you don't, that's okay too. Everybody gets a choice in this country. And so I said, you just be your choice. <laughs> and no pressure. I said, who knows? I said, maybe at the end, you know, it's up to you. I said, you might want to accept Jesus and become a Christian. Uh, but I said, that's completely up to you. And that's when she kind of, she, she jumped in. She said, oh, well, she says, I consider myself a Christian. I said, oh, well, I said, I'm thinking in my mind, I've met people like this, but not this extreme. So I said, well, maybe you can, my, her friend, my church member, Tracy, her eyes just kind of got all big. And I said, well, perhaps you can unpack that for me a little bit. So I said, um, you know, it's my understanding from Tracy and from you that you're an atheist. I said, my understanding of being an atheist is there is no Jesus, there's no father, there's no son, there's, I mean, you know, be like the little four-year-old kid you want to meet my imaginary friend, Billy? You know, it's like, there is no Billy. And so that, that's what it is for, for Jessica and, and for atheists. There, there is no such thing. So I said, you know, maybe you can help me with that, how you're an atheist, but you consider yourself a Christian. I said, I, maybe you can help us out with that. I, I, I don't understand. Oh, she said, well, that's easy. <laughs> because she says, uh, I consider myself a good person. And she says, I'm, I'm, I'm just as good a person as you are. So I said, well, Jessica, I said, I, said, I am so sorry. I said, I, I know you're an atheist. And though you live in America, I said, apparently some Christians have given you the wrong impression. I said, I'm so sorry that you think Christianity is about human behavior. I said, Christianity is about Jesus. 
and it's about his behavior. Christianity is not about me and my behavior, praise God. I don't have to live every day of my life wondering if God likes me. I said, he's already proven it. And so we, it was kind of a, an awkward ending there. I said, um, I said, I don't consider myself that good of a person. I said, if you took Jesus out of me, I said, the, the, the odds are quite high that you could be a much better person than I am if you took Jesus out of my life. I don't consider myself that amazing of a person. So I said, you'd be setting your standards quite low, actually. But I said, what's been happening in your friend Tracy can only be explained because Christ is in her. And I said, if, any, if, if at any point you would like to have, you know, to, to at least look at some of that, I said, that comes from Jesus. I said, it's not Tracy or her parents or her church. Or, I said, that just comes from Jesus. Jesus is where that's coming from. And I said, and people that aren't having Jesus, the real thing, are not getting all their benefits. Romans 6, 6 and 7, Paul puts it this way. <clears throat> he seems to think we should know this, which is why he has in verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he or she who has died is freed from sin. <laughs> and I must say, even today on this property, I was, someone wanted to speak with me and uh, this individual and I had a, a wonderful talk and in, in, in the individual literally in the last week, I think, has spoken with people uh, from this denomination, but in a different area of Texas, that they've been wrestling with stuff, thinking that life is all about them, thinking that sin can't be overcome, thinking that judgment is all about them. And yet they sit in the same denomination you do, yet they were confused. Paul teaches that when someone dies, they're free from sin. My question today is, is it any better to know if God exists if you're not getting any benefits? The devil and the lost third of the angels, they all know God exists but none of them are getting their benefits. Approximately 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross that Friday night, or Friday kind of afternoon-ish, he died to give us lots of benefits. He didn't die because he had nothing going on in the universe. How sad would that make God for him to die and, not, and have us not get the benefits? 
That'd be like my illustration in the opening. You got a rich relative and they died and they got $3.8 million in the bank in their will and, you know, their last will and testimony for you. And for somehow, some reason, you never got that memo. And as Americans, we're like, wow, $3.8 million. And God is saying, I can give you more than 3.8 million years of life and your house will be free. No one will hurt your heart again. You'll never once accidentally hurt somebody else. It's amazing and it's real. All you have to do is appreciate my death on the cross and I will do all the work and give you all the benefits. You can like be one of those children of some great heir and you just show up to the lawyer's office and they say, here you go. And you just say, ah, thank you. Because Jesus really did do all the work. He really did sacrifice. He really did die. And with his own blood, he wrote, hey, I want to give my kids a bunch of stuff. So how do you children feel? Do you feel like you're getting stuff from Jesus? Ecclesiastes 9.5 says, all the living know they're going to die, but the dead know Nothing. I bump into lots and lots of church people that know lots of stuff. Someone offends them, woo, all of a sudden they got something to say. Last time I checked, dead people don't act inappropriate. If we need a reminder, slip by the funeral near your home. None of those people are smoking, drinking, doing drugs, getting angry, cursing, yelling, being bad parents. You name the bad problem, those people aren't dealing with it because they're dead. And the reason people like me and you and the other people we know struggle so much is because we're still alive. We still need to continue to grasp more of the benefits of Jesus' death. It, 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 it haunts me how many people I've talked to up really high up all the way down to the newest member, retired pastors, current pastors, this person, that person, and try to get them to see these things and church members and community members. And <coughs> and it's just haunting how many people still are not benefiting from Jesus' death. And I'm not picking on the atheists. They don't claim to know better because they're not looking at Jesus. Of all the people in the world who should clearly know, it is Seventh-day Adventists because you proudly, you proudly and sometimes arrogantly say, we know what happens when a person dies. And God is yelling 10 times louder than we do. Then why don't you apply it? The state of the dead was never meant to be talked about and argued about at work or over the fence when someone's 120 years old. And we're going to argue, oh, I know what happens now that their 120 years of life are over. Could maybe we have applied it at any point during those 120 years? 
I've asked that question to some high-ranking people, and not everybody, God help us all, we all need to grow, but some of them said, well, no. The state of the dead isn't meant to be applied. And I can't help but think, what have you been teaching the flock? And it would be nice to pick on the leadership, and, but the bigger question is, there's a whole lot more of you than there are of leaders And so the question is, if you're reading your own Bible, why are you accepting such nonsense? Our own doctrine, one of the 28 doctrine teaches, when something's dead, it's supposed to be dead. Amen? It's all over the Bible. It's right here in verse 7. For the one who has died is freed from sin. And the Bible's all over the place again. I read this verse 2, verse 6, that we should know this, that our old self was crucified with him. Meaning when Christ died, you died. And last time I checked, dead people don't hurt themselves or the people around them. The reason we keep getting entangled in so much challenges is because we have lots of people who are very much alive. I hear it often. People will even say that, and you might even say this, (coughs) um, Um, uh, 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 a sin that some people do, we've all known people have done this, is that it's very common with church people in America, they they might say a lie, right? And sometimes they'll soften it by calling it a white lie, but you know, you've known people that have lied, right? It happens. (laughs) <laughs> or, or they might have a cursing issue or anger or, you know, you fill in the blanks. And then you also know people that, that when they wake up in the day and they get all ready and, they're, and then they'll give themselves a little pep talk and then, you know, sometimes they'll even pray. And you might know people like this and they'll even and they'll say this prayer. I've heard it many times. I'm sure you have. I, maybe you can help us what, what the words are in Spanish because I know it happens with that as well in Russian and Asian and everybody else. But, but people will say, you know, they'll, they'll get ready for the day and they don't want anger and road rage to hit, you know, as they're getting out to brave the day. So they'll say this little prayer, Lord, make me stronger, right? You, we've, you don't have to confess and say it's you, but you've heard people say that. I know you have because I've heard people say it. Lord, make me stronger because today I don't want to curse. I don't want to get angry today. I don't want to be a bad parent, right? We, we do those things. Students will do that. Lord, make me stronger today so so I can do a better job. So here's a question. Here's a question to be really practical. If you were to, again, following Bible principles, not our feelings and opinions, which can lead us to all kinds of inappropriate places, but according to the Bible, if we were going to go to the cemetery and you're standing over um, um, Kate, you know, San Miguel, let's say that, you know, she's passed away and we're standing over her grave, would, would Kate San Miguel, if she were dead and you were, we're all at the cemetery, would, would, would we expect Kate to pray, Lord, make me stronger? Because today, man, I'm going to have a good day today. Would Kate say that if she's died? And why not? Because she's dead. But you know who does say that? Human being Christian Avenists who are alive and actually think God's going to make them strong so they can go do it today. And yet the whole time God is thinking, did, did I not die 2,000 years ago? Uh, you're, you know English. 
Some of you are bilingual, trilingual. Some of you know even more. You can read it in many languages. He can put it in King James if you want it. The new King James, the living word. There's lots of ways God can communicate it, but it's like he did die. And according to verse 5, 6, 7, 11, Galatians 2, 20, like all of Isaiah 53, it's all over the Bible. When Jesus died, we do know he died for us. And we do know that according to the Bible, I know most of the people in the world don't believe it, but you say you do, that one of the doctrines according to the Bible is that when dead things are dead, they're, they're, well, they're dead. And yet, you know plenty of people who say that prayer. Lord, make me stronger today. <laughs> I heard a good song on the radio. I feel pretty, you know, I got a little pep in my step today. Lord, maybe this is the day. Make me stronger you wouldn't go to the cemetery and expect those people to be praying that prayer. Lord, make me stronger because they're dead. As you go through the courtyard of the, in, in, in the sanctuary, the lamb dies as a reminder that the Messiah slash Jesus dies. And when that dies, we die. <clears throat> we don't need to be praying to be stronger. We are the problem. Those who, wanna, who have time to spend a lot of time in this, go, go look in your Old Testament Bible and look in the, in the Old Testament where the Israelites came out of, the, out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness and everybody was the problem, but they never wanted to admit they were the problem. They got so confused, they even thought God was the problem at one point. They never realized, oh, I'm the problem. Oh, that's why we got the sanctuary, because when the lamb dies, I'm supposed to die. I'm the problem. I never connected that, ever. They never connected it, and they never made it out of the wilderness. Are, are you connecting those dots? Not mentally. Are you connecting those dots in your life so if something goes wrong Tuesday, you don't go, woo, 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 and just, <coughs> Because dead people don't do that. 2 Corinthians 4.10, Paul says, we're supposed to carry around the death of Jesus. Why? Because it gets rid of bad stuff and it makes room for the resurrected Jesus to live in his place. So Jesus can live in us and through us because Jesus doesn't go on a honeymoon with the neighbor. Jesus is a good parent. Jesus doesn't cuss. Jesus doesn't get inappropriate. Jesus wants us to be a denomination that actually applies the state of the dead instead of being a denomination that argues about it at someone's funeral when people are hurting and they're sad. And Boy, you know what's happening to grandma? Well, how about you help people learn how to live that every day of their life? I'll give you another example. Those who've come to small groups have heard this example many times. <laughs> Typical American cliche, kind of a television, kind of a illustration. Most of us have had pets. Most of us have had pets die. <laughs> so say you had a pet. I had a pet growing up. It's, it's, the dog was named Muffin. It wasn't mine. It was my uh, sister's and she got rid of it and my, she gave it to my parents. And anyway, so I was in the house. Its name was Muffin. It was a Shih Tzu. And one day it ended up dying, as, as all pets do. 
And so the typical cliche, American cliche is pet dies. Uh, dad's going to go, you know, be the man and get the shovel and dig a hole in the back. And mom's going to be, you know, get the dog's favorite blankie and wrap up the dog and go in the back and put the dog in the hole and cover it up with dirt. And if you're a religious uh, family, you'll say a prayer. If you're an emotional family, you'll cry. And then when it's done, you all feel really happy. And then uh, you'll even talk some stories about how the dog used to chew my shoes and you know, tell all the stories, good and bad. And you remember that time it pooped on our carpet? It's like, I don't believe it. We could say the same thing about our cats. They've, they've ruined about $2,000 worth of our furniture in our house. And is it pets? Um, supposed to be on a farm, but people love to put them in their houses. Anyway, so uh, you, you bury it in the backyard. It's done. You move on. If you went two months later, if you went to your backyard later, and you can apply it to your own lives, I'm sure you all had goldfish or cats or dogs or turtles and, you know, these kind of things. If you went in the backyard two months later and you grabbed his favorite toy, and you said, and, and you threw it, go get it, go get it, and you're really happy, would the dog go chase it? No. How about, and this is a really one, a big one that's plaguing churches, including our denomination. What if you felt? really good about it. Would the dog chase it? Here's another one that's really plaguing the world, including our denomination. What if it was your personal opinion? This is my truth. Would the dog just kind of, well, well, you know, if, if that's your truth, they dust off, the, I'm going to go chase that toy. Would the dead dog respect your opinion? And some shy people out here, no. How about if we were really religious and churchy and how about somebody read a Bible verse? We turn to this sometimes at the most inappropriate times. How about if somebody prayed, and, how about if somebody read their Bible and they prayed and they even cried? Would the dog pop up out of the ground? Yes, no? And why not? Because dead things don't do anything. And yet when Satan wants to take something that you think is fun and Satan wants to throw it in your life, how quick, how, I'm not talking about atheists. I'm not picking on atheists. I'm talking about Seventh-day Adventist professed believers. How quick do you chase something when Satan throws it in front of you? Don't pick on the person next to you or beside you or in front. Just know what, this is a, Spirit moment for you in the spirit. When Satan throws something in your life, how quick are you to, whoa, 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 Jesus buried me, but hey, I can come out of there real quick. I can come back to life real quick. How long does it take then for Jesus to get you back in the grave to where you're dead? Well, things got a little sideways at work on Tuesday. I don't know. We don't, we don't word it this way, of course. <laughs> but things got a little sideways at work on Tuesday. Boy, I didn't think Jesus was going to take care of that. So, you know, I had to kind of, you know, at the nursing station, I had to go jump in the moment. Okay. Was that, was that Jesus doing that through you or was that you coming out of the grave? Boy, my kids, boy, what they've been doing. You know, I had to, what, not be dead and have Christ living in you? And you thought you'd handle it because we do it better than Jesus. 
If Jesus wanted to kill you at the cross because we're the problem, we should actually follow Jesus and be, instead of pray, Lord, make me stronger, we should pray, Lord, thank you for killing me at the cross because you know I'm the problem. If I insert myself, this, this, this will not go well. I've got plenty of years of evidence for that. I don't know about you. Thank you for crucifying me. Thank you that you killed me at the cross. And it's not based on my feelings. By faith. It's my privilege by faith that if you say that I'm supposed to know that I was crucified with Jesus in order that my sin would be done away with so I would not be a slave to sin because when Jesus died, I'm freed from sin. My part is to believe it. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. I've asked this trick question, at least some, it's not supposed to be a trick question, but I've asked this to some people before. <coughs> and uh, I, I've asked them, they literally, uh, they literally gave a Bible study about Jesus' death. They literally gave a Bible study about it. It was a fine Bible study. And then I literally... 60 seconds after they gave the Bible study, it was my turn to share something, and God put it on my heart, and God puts us all in unique situations. And so I, this is what God put on my heart, so I went up front, and I was sharing this. So I said, awesome uh, devotional um, about Jesus' <coughs> um, death. And so my question was, I'm trying to help them. All this, you know, in the context of what we just heard in the devotional from the Bible about Jesus, When's the last funeral you've been to? So don't answer it out loud, but just in your own mind, answer that question. Um, and I'll give you a huge hint. Don't forget what, we've just been, what I've been talking about for the last 15, 20 minutes. And so that's what we were just talking about in that context. And I said, well, what's the last funeral everybody's been to? And here's just a little FYI. I was taught everybody in the room was a pastor. Everybody in the room was a pastor. So I said, when's the last time you've been to a funeral? So here, let me give you even more help. In light of 1 Corinthians 15, 31, if somebody asked the Apostle Paul, if somebody asked the Apostle Paul, when's the last funeral you've been to? The Apostle Paul would say what? This morning. Because I put on Christ this morning. And I won't tell you what the room full of pastors said because we're all humans and we all need to grow. But without me feeding you almost 99% of it in a normal setting, if somebody asked you at work, ding, 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 in an awesome, free, normal, natural opportunity where people would say, well, that's evangelism, what would your answer be? Oh, my aunt just passed away last week, went to the funeral. How was it? Oh, that was hard, but you know, we, were, you know, we got through it. And, and then they say, they turn on you. When's the last time you've been to a funeral? Well, you know, it was two years ago. I hope for your sake it wasn't two years ago. If you're a Christian, it should have been when you woke up this morning before your little trotters ever touch the ground before you ever get out of bed 
because you're not safe. Apostle Paul said, I die daily because Paul knew he was not safe. One of the most biblically educated people in the world, God did miracles through him, started churches, transitioned out of the God's first remnant into the second remnant, wrote approximately two-thirds of the New Testament. And Paul was like, mm, mm, mm. I've been standing there when be- on my authority people were killed. And some people went to prison. Paul finally got it through his thick head. I am the biggest problem in my entire life. It would do me well to continue to apply Jesus' death and resurrection every day because there is no day I am safe, period. That's why Romans 6, 5 says, we were united. When Christ died, we died. I'll give you another example. It's a Texas, a good Texan example. <clears throat> this was from a few years ago. This was 2002, and uh, it was a, a Bible seminar, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And um, I told two of my friends who are pastors, Ray Chrisman, who used to pastor in Texas, um, and uh, Ryan Long, who at the time Ryan and I were in Arkansas, but now Ray is in Maine, and um, uh, Ryan is pastoring in the Benbrook, the suburbs of Fort Worth. Um, anyway, so the three of us pastors went to the seminar, mostly was church members, um, and, and uh, teaching you know, about biblical principles and God's character, etc. Friday night, all day Saturday, Sunday morning, into the afternoon, and then we just stayed uh, and talked and hung out, so we stayed there longer, <laughs> and because... Um, uh, two of us were, were, were living and pastoring in Arkansas, it would have taken seven hours to get home. And th- that would have put us home at like, because um, I think it was about nine at night Sunday. So it had been 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4. We got home around 4 o'clock. And it's like, ah, uh, I don't feel like doing that tonight. So he said, hey, let's stay longer. Ryan had been staying with uh, family. Ray and I, he likes to be frugal. <clears throat> and so Ray and I were staying at a really uh, inexpensive hotel. <laughs> the, type, the type you can hear the conversation in the other side of the room. Um, the type that, you know, the, the, the breeze comes from under the door. You know, one of those really efficient or non-efficient but affordable hotels. So we were in one of those. Um, and then it became Sunday. And we were like, oh, hey, let's spend another night. So, okay, yeah, let's do that. And I said, let's let's pick another hotel because we'll all three be in there together. And so the prices will be cheap because we're splitting it three ways. Let's, let's, you know, shoot a little higher aim for a hotel. Well, they weren't loving the idea. And, and we, were, we had stayed at this really entry-level hotel. And I don't know why, but the entry hotel shared a, a, a parking lot with the really good hotel. And so I said, well, at least let me go check that place. And so they were asking, this was back in 2002, and they're asking $75 back then. And, uh, um, and, they, and they thought that was too much. Oh, man, I know, that's just you know, split three ways. <laughs> Come on. And uh, so I went back in again. It was the manager, and, and her name was Kathy Jones, real person, real story. 
And um, so I said, hey, look, Kathy, I, I said, uh, <laughs> um, my friends think it's a little high. The, the, I mean, literally across the parking lot, they're asking, you know, like 50 bucks or something like that, 55 bucks. Considering the quality of the two, it wasn't that big of a difference in price. But I said, is there any way you could match the price? <laughs> you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, please, please. Um, and she said, yeah. She said, I'm the manager here. You got here just in time. She like, I think she pointed up to the clock. She said, it's almost nine o'clock and I'm the manager. She said, I'm, I'm off in like four minutes. You got here just in time. She said, uh, uh, no one else has the authority to do that. But she said, you know, we've got a few customers tonight, but we're not going to be anywhere near full. She said, I'd rather have your 55 than nothing. So I'll match it. I said, well, that's a shrewd businesswoman. Because um, that, that's the truth. Um, so I said, fantastic. So I said, you just start ringing it up and I'll go tell my friends. So I went outside, told my friends. I said, hey, look, she's going to match the price. We're staying. It didn't, it didn't even turn into a question at that point. It was just like, we're staying here. <laughs> so Ryan was the only one that was married. And so as a good spouse, he called his wife to get permission. And so Ray and I were single. So Ray and I went in and we're going through the, the, the transition that you normally do. You know, well, how many nights, how many people, how many keys would you like to get in the door? And, um, you know, breakfast is at, you know, from six to nine or whatever it was. And, you know, do you have any pets? And uh, did, did you want smoking or non-smoking? So she's going through this whole thing, and we're all human. Um, I am too. Sometimes people forget it because I'm a pastor, and, and they just think, oh, well, but you're a human being who's just messy like everybody else, very imperfect, um, just saved by Jesus' grace only. And so um, I like to have fun. I think that Jesus likes to have fun, so I actually I like to enjoy myself and have fun and laugh and be silly and playful, and <laughs> most of the time that's a really good thing, but sometimes as a human, I, I'm you know, make mistakes as well. And, and there was a moment of that right there. So when she got to the point where she said, well, is it a smoking or non-smoking room? I kind of turned around back to Ray and I looked at Kathy and I turned back to Ray. And I'm like, let's do non-smoking. I've, I've not smoked a whole pack of cigarettes in my whole life. I did try it. Uh, it is a confession, I think, when I was uh, six. Uh, I threw up. Um, but anyway, so I've not smoked a whole pack of cigarettes in my whole life. And my friend Ray knew this. But I said, hey, let's go non-smoking this time. And Ray, who can be even more silly than I am and sometimes less boundaries, he gives me this big bear hug from back. And he just, oh, man, I'm so happy for you, Mark. You didn't tell me you quit smoking. And, and before I had a chance to tell Kathy that I'm just, you know, we were just playing. It's just, we're just, you know, just letting down her hair, teasing, being playful. I don't smoke. I didn't quit. Never started. <laughs> Before I could do that, Kathy Jones, who's the manager of this whole nice hotel, um, her eyes just get as big as they can get. And she just starts going off. You quit smoking? It's like I solved the political problem in America. Or, or I got us out of debt in America. I mean, it was just like the clock stopped. I mean, it was just like everything was quiet. And she just zoned. You quit smoking? How did you quit smoking? It's like I'm the only person in the world that's ever figured out how to quit smoking. <clears throat> you quit. And she just kept saying it over and over in different ways. Oh, I can't believe you quit smoking. I've tried so many times. I can't quit. I can't believe it. You quit smoking. How did you quit smoking? And as she's just going on and on like this, I perceived in my mind, as I say many times, at least in my opinion, God's the best communicator in the world. And at that point, I, I, 
I can sense God uh, telling me, that you've been having your bit of fun, but how about we, how about we stop that? God would like to use this as a saving opportunity for Kathy. So I'm hearing God as I'm listening to Kathy and I'm like, yes, sir, whatever you want. I, I got out of the grave for a little bit, you know, lovingly put me back down in there again because uh, that's where it's safest. I'm sorry, I kind of, I started to get out a little bit and just put me kindly back down in there. Whatever you want, it's you get, Lord. And then God said something else. He said, and make it challenging for her. I don't know why. God knows everything. I just suggest we all do our best to hear God and say yes. I don't like hard, challenging things, <clears throat> but life's complicated and we should just do our best to listen to Jesus. So I said, yes, sir. Anyway, so she kind of wrapped up her talk <laughs> with this end conclusion of, how did you quit? <clears throat> and remembering God had just told me he wants to make a saving impact, but make it kind of challenging. So I just like literally took this Bible-sized uh, uh, knife and popped her balloon. I said, I'm sorry, Kathy, it's not per personal. I said, I don't even know you. I said, I don't tell everybody how I quit. I said, it's not personal. I said, I'm sorry. It's just like, her face just went from like totally up to like totally down. Um, and this part's totally true. I, I said, you know, uh, when, I, when I've told people in the past, because I have told people in the past, I've even held, uh, passed out bookmarkers in this church and do small groups on it and in other places, in other countries, in other states, and et cetera, et cetera. And I said, sometimes when I share how, I said, people laugh at me and they just think, oh my word, this is ridiculous. And I said, you know, I'm a person too. I've got feelings. She didn't know I was a pastor, but I am, and pastors have feelings. So I said, you know, people don't always receive it well. Because I said, I said I, you know, my way to quit is very outside the box. So I said, when I share it with people, you know, they don't always respond well to me. So I said, you know, I don't always tell everybody. Uh, I said, I, I, said I, I truly am sorry. And she was just like, she wasn't checking me into the hotel. She was like, she was just kind of like frozen in time. And I, and I remember God's words, and so I just let it linger. You think, and some of you who've gone to the small groups think my questions, I just kind of let them hang. This was like times 10, I mean, she, she was just hanging. It was just like, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to let you hang here for a little bit. It was just awkward, uncomfortable silence. We just kind of waited and waited, even more awkward than it is right now. It, one of her employees was checking someone into the hotel at this time. This is her work. She's the manager. We were just sitting there, just looking at each other. And after what seemed like an eternity, I finally said, well, I, I do share with a few people if they're serious. So I said, Kathy, the question is, are you serious? <laughs> I said, I know people that I love dearly in this world and some people I don't know as well. Um, I know plenty of people who smoke. And for some reason, a couple of times a year, some of them say, oh, I should probably quit. I said, I don't know if they say that because it makes them feel better or if they say that because they think it makes me feel better. I said, I don't know you, Kathy. I, um, so I said, you know, it's no bearing on my life whether you smoke or not. 
So I said, I don't know why, you know, your real motive for wanting to, you know, to say this, but uh, I said, do you actually really want to quit? Not just say it, but do you really want to quit? And to her credit, she said, can I think about it? I said, of course. I said, I'm a captive audience. I said, I'll be here till breakfast. I said, I've given you my number. I said, you know what room I'm in. I'll be here till breakfast. So I said, you've apparently got till breakfast. Okay. I could just tell, man, she just was like, she's carrying 200 pounds on her shoulders and she, she was trying to finish up the sale, but man, she was thinking and thinking and, and I'm praying and praying that, you know, as, as a fellow, you know, as a Christian, like you are, it, it's nice when people actually act on Jesus instead of just plant seeds. Um, so people can actually get benefits from Jesus. So I was praying and praying and praying. We get to the end, and she, she runs my credit card. She slides the paper forward. The last thing I'm doing is signing, and I'm going to the room. So we're right at the end. And she says, well, I've been thinking about it. And I said, well, I look like you were. I said, I could, you know, it certainly seemed like you had a lot on your mind there. So I said, what's your grand conclusion? Are you serious? And I, I did my best to put on my serious face because I was just like wildly silly five minutes ago. <laughs> so I'm trying to be as serious as I can be for her sake. I said, so are you serious? Do you, do you really want to quit? She says, I, I, I would like to quit. I said, well, that's fantastic. I said, well, I, we can do that right here at work. Apparently she was so desperate. I'm not picking on people that smoke. It was a pro- she thought it was a problem and she wanted help. Whether you call it problem, weakness, habit, sin, I mean, just she didn't like it. She wanted help. Simple as that. And so I said, yeah, we can help you right now. It's fantastic. So I looked at my friend Ray and I said to Ray, why don't you just slip out to the car and go get it? So if you were there with me and it was you and me, <coughs> Or if you want to think of you and somebody else and someone turned to you, or if you're the one that said, go get it, would you know what to go get? If you were standing there with me and I said, hey, just slip out to my car and go get it, would you know what you're getting? As a Christian, I hope so, because Jesus has not equipped, according to the Bible, me to do everything. Jesus has equipped Christians to share Christ. And we're all Christians. Amen? So I told Ray, I said, Ray, why don't you slip out to the car and go get it? So by God's grace, he slipped out to the car and he knew what to get. He got this. So I was talking to Kathy Jones, the math manager, real person, real situation, real name. I said, Kathy, as my friend is out in the car getting it, and who knows what was going through her mind. Can't wait till heaven to hear you think of what was going through her mind. <laughs> so uh, I said, Kathy, as my friend's going out to the car to go get it, I said, let me just ask you two simple questions. I said, one is, do you believe in God? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, second question is, do you believe Jesus Christ is real? Oh, and I could just see kind of a kind of half peace, half terror come over her face. I do believe Jesus is real. And then it's like, um, she started confessing. Um, oh, but I haven't went to church in like forever. And, and, this, and she starts confessing all these, uh, aside from smoking, all these other things in her life that she didn't think were good. I said, whoa, 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 time out, Kathy. I said, I'm not, 
That's, you can share that stuff with Jesus. You sharing that stuff with me is not going to, you know, that's not, it's unneeded. It's unneeded. So Ray comes from the car. He brings my Bible. I open up my Bible, set it on the counter where she's the manager. She's at work. Her coworker's right over there or her employee. I open up the Bible, Romans 6, verse 1 and 2, like I did here, turn it around, open up the Bible, had her read it. If I said that wrong, I misspoke. I had her read it. So she's at work and she's reading Romans 6, 1 and 2. And I said, well, by all means, you know, read it and then um, <laughs> and I've got a question for you. So she read it. What shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin so grace may increase? Verse 2, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? And I remembered the Holy Spirit reminded me, make it challenging. And some of you think in the small groups, oh, I can make the questions challenging. This was like times 10. So I said, Kathy, I said, I got a question for you. I said, who died? It's possible to make a tougher question, but I had to at least give her a little turn, you know, kernel of hope to kind of actually answer the question. So I said, who died? And I tell you, it crushes my soul. I've asked church leaders that uh, lots of time would go by, week after week, month after month, and they don't know. And I asked her, she read those verses. I said, so Kathy, here's the million dollar question. Who died? And to her credit, within 20 seconds, she said, <laughs> she read these verses and she said, uh, I, I died. And so I still remember the Holy Spirit saying, to make it harder, there's plenty of people who want to throw out Bible words. Even Jessica considers herself a Christian, but Christ isn't real. So I mean, anybody can fill in the blank. <coughs> so I pressed her more. I said, okay. So I said, um, when did this happen? Oh, she's, she said, I don't know, I'm terrible at history. And I laughed. I said, well, I'm not great at history either. I said, I'm not looking for some exact, you know, minute. But I said, you know, in general, kind of what happened? What was the event? And oh, she said, well, when, when Jesus died. And I'm thinking, this can't be serious. I'm actually finding someone in the community who's not living it, but they're at least seeing it properly. So I grilled her more. So I said, um, so I said, okay. Uh, I didn't say the verse, but it's actually Matthew 27, 46, if I remember correctly. And I said, um, <clears throat> so I said, uh, <clears throat> so Kathy, when uh, Jesus was hanging on the cross and God the Father looked down, <clears throat> when, when God the Father looked down and, he, and when he looked at the cross, tell me what did, what did God the Father see? And here again, this is Kathy. She's a manager of this hotel. <clears throat> uh, someone else was checking in. There was one of her uh, employees there. And she starts to cry. She starts to cry. And so I just waited and she cried some more. And I said, it's okay. I said, when God the Father looked down on the cross, what did the Father see? And she said something to the effect of, <clears throat> well, the father saw Jesus, but I don't know, I'm, I haven't been to church in a while, but somehow Jesus saw Kathy that smoked hanging there on the cross. I said, yes, that's why God the father turned away because 
Sin is not something that he bears well within his presence. So when the father looked down, he did see Jesus, but he also saw Kathy that smoked. And I said, it, 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 the father turned away. It crushed Jesus <clears throat> because he carried you and all your baggage, not just smoking. And he also, he did it for me. And he did it for all of you. And I said, the good news is, <clears throat> God is so amazing. Three days later, he popped up out of the ground. And then if we accept Jesus, we think that's true, and we genuinely accept that, then Jesus' death is yours, and Jesus will resurrect in you. And she was not an Adventist, but to God's credit and to her benefit, she understood biblical principles. And I said, you know, Kathy, the last time I checked, dead things don't smoke, do they? And she's wiping her tears away, and she said, no. And I said, last time I checked the Bible, Jesus, I've never caught him smoking either. So if you're dead and Christ is living in you, and dead people don't smoke and neither does Jesus, I said, good news, guess who doesn't smoke anymore? I said, you're free of smoking. So I said, you could give me your smokes and your lighter. I said, you know, as a per you know, Knowing people who smoke, I said, I'm sure you got some smokes and lighters under the cat. Yeah, she said, I do. So well, you just give them to me, and I said, I'll throw them away for you. I'll help you. She gave me her, her smokes and her, her lighter. We prayed together, left, spent the night, left the next day. Called her a few weeks later. You know what would be so tempting to do? You know what, what would be so tempting to do as a pastor? One of you can shout it out. What would be tempting to do as a pastor when I called her a couple weeks later? Ask if she, have you been smoking, Kathy? That is so human. By God's grace alone, I actually did a Christ-centered biblical thing. I said, how's your faith, Kathy? How's your time with Jesus? Because that's what people are supposed to do, her Christians, focus on Jesus, not human behavior. Oh, they sound so similar, but you live one, someone else lives a different. Ooh, those are very different paths you're on. Humanism and behavior, stop smoking versus Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You'll end up in very different places in this earth and the one to come. So I asked, how's your faith, Kathy? How's, how's your time with Jesus? Oh, that's so fantastic. Man, I've been visiting with all my family and some friends and showing a, you know, all these benefits Jesus is giving me. It's just so awesome. God is so good. Oh, and, and I started going back to church again. And uh, oh, yeah, when I don't smoke. And I didn't say anything about witnessing. I didn't say anything about any of those things. Jesus did. If we die and we let Jesus live in us, Luke 4.16, does Jesus have to go to church? God's great at lots of stuff if we let ourselves be dead in Christ and let Jesus live in us. Romans 6.11, Paul wrote the same thing as we get ready to conclude here in Romans 6.11. Consider yourself to be dead to sin 
but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The only way human beings are getting biblical victory and benefits is as if we accept the death of Jesus and his resurrection. Because as people who believe the doctrine of the state of the dead, you know what happens with dead people. Nothing. Nothing. It's not that God's trying to be theological, debating with everybody at a funeral. One of the many reasons God had that be the, the, the principle he follows, there's lots of reasons. One of the main reasons is, is because it affects our daily life. The death of Jesus was meant to be applied in our life every day. Well, what happens when you die? It was not meant to just only be thought of when someone's at a funeral and they're 120 years old. Those principles are meant to be applied every day of our life. So if the Holy Spirit's, so if, so if Satan's trying to say, hey, um, you know, the big Super Bowl game's coming. America's okay because they're making money. They don't care if you gamble now. You can gamble. And the Holy Spirit will say, no, dead people don't gamble. I mean, men, women, good luck using one of these without some pornography stupid thing trying to pop up. But the Holy Spirit's going to say, hey, dead people don't look at that stuff. None of us are perfect, and I'm not, but I, I, I do my best every day before my feet touch the ground in my bed to quote this verse and verses like it. To remind myself that it has nothing to do with me. Jesus Jesus worked hard. We can't work to save ourselves or anybody, but Jesus could and he did. Jesus worked painfully hard to the point of death. So as it says in verse 11, we have the privilege to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus. Our part is to be crazy enough to believe it. And that day at that hotel, Kathy was. Some people, man, they spend money and they just, it's so hard. I understand that. I'm not condemning her. Smoking is addictive. It says right on the little label. They admit it. It's hard to quit. Most all habits are hard to quit. Not just drugs and gambling and drinking and, you know, they're all hard to quit. But if you're dead, dead people are not phased by anything. And I say it in love and kindness. If you need a reminder, just go drive by a cemetery. And I wish that meant that tomorrow we'd all wake up perfect and we'd never make a mistake again. <coughs> Perfection will be in heaven. But we do have that privilege every day to trust Jesus just a little bit more and a little bit more. I'm going to trust him enough to let this be dead and buried. 
Now, tomorrow I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust him with this area of my life. I know, I know there's still some fingers out of the grave here. And tomorrow he's gonna pull another one down and tomorrow another one. And every day we have that privilege to trust him more and be more dead so there's more room for Jesus to live in us so we can actually grow and be healthy and balanced and appropriate and we don't have to keep hurting ourselves <coughs> or hurt the people around us and then give one of those foolish, foolish church cliches. Well, isn't it good that God understands? <coughs> our spouse, our kids, our neighbors don't feel that way when we, if we physically abuse them or verbally abuse them or sexually abuse them or any other kind of way to hurt people that humans have created. Yes, God's forgiving. That's amazing. But God also has given us the ability to stop hurting ourselves. And it is not by us being white-knuckled, trying really hard. Today I feel like I can do it. It comes by accepting the death of Christ, which is our death. When Christ died... We died. So in closing, my question is, how's your faith today? My hope is that you would not be like those people that CNN reports about. Where uh, someone that loved you worked really hard and they want to give you some benefits. My hope is that you would not be like those people, that you would continue to let God remind you that he worked and he bled and he wants to give you lots of benefits. Let him do that for you. Today, this weekend, and throughout this next week, throughout your life and into eternity.